chapter number 3. If you were here last week and you remember, you weren't like me, you've slept since then and tend to forget some things, uh, this is part 2. So again, the title is going to be Knowing Why, maybe in parentheses, part 2. So we're going to start with 1 Peter chapter number 3 and kind of just do a quick review. Uh, let's read it. It would help if I was there, but I'm already at the verse where we're going to next, so uh, give me just a moment. Uh, we'll read 1 Peter chapter number 3, verse number 15. We'll pray and begin. The Bible says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Again, the title is Knowing Why. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your grace and mercy. We thank you for the privilege to get together and, Lord, to worship you, to study your word. I pray that you would open our hearts, open our understanding, give us ears to hear. And, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just illuminate our minds with these truths. And, Lord, I pray that we would gain a deeper knowledge of you, who you are, and Lord, all that you've done for us. Help us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So just as a quick review, 1 Peter chapter number 3 is where we start, started last week. And we simply talked about sanctifying the Lord God in your hearts and being ready always to give an answer. Being ready meaning willing and able. Some people are willing but not able. Some people are able but not willing, but being ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. Basically, knowing why you believe what you believe, knowing why you do what you do. From that point forward, we looked at 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We looked at studying the Bible. It's great to read the Bible. It's great to go to church and hear preaching. But studying the Bible for yourself opens it up to, let's say, a whole new level, a whole new dimension. It adds so much more insight and light to the Word of God. But studying often is neglected because it takes work, right? A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. It takes work. It takes time, discipline, comparing Scripture with Scripture. But rightly dividing the word of truth, knowing what God's word says to be able to discern truth from error. When somebody is uh, speaking their so-called truth, knowing, judging by God's word, whether that is in fact true or false. So now, turn to Acts chapter number 2. Acts chapter number 2. At the end of uh, last week's message, we talked about baptism and we kind of laid a foundation of kind of the who, what, why, where, when, all those many things of baptism. And for the most part we probably understood a lot of those truths, but again to reiterate the knowing the why. You can grow up in church and have only ever sat under good Bible preaching and know uh, what you believe, but to know why you believe what you believe, have a a verse tied to the truth that you believe is that much more important. So, I mentioned last week, this week would we'll dive deeper into baptism, look at maybe some specific verses. And I think one that is brought up a lot of times here is Acts chapter number 2, verse 38. 
And just taking this verse alone, you can um, wrongly, I guess, divide the word of truth. Come to a, a false doctrine, if you will. So let's read it. Acts chapter number 2, verse 38. The Bible says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So I want to kind of just break up this verse into sections, or if you would, rightly divide this verse. So let's look at it in parts. Beginning in verse 38, the Bible says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent. We understand, we talked about last week, to a degree, repent. Repent simply means to change your mind about something or to turn from one thing to another. So if you were to speak to the idea of repenting for us as believers, we are uh, turning from our lifestyle, our ways, our decisions, and turning to Christ's ways, Christ's decisions, and what His will is for our life. So turning from one thing to another. We'll talk about that here more here in just a little bit. But it says, repent and be baptized. Again, we laid the foundation of baptism, the who, what, when, where, and why. We understand that baptism is for believers. It's not a part of salvation. We're going to talk about that more here today. But baptize is immersion, submerged, all the way down in the water, all the way back up. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. We understand by the Great Commission that Christ gave his disciples, the first church, in Matthew 28, 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. So we understand being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, but where the division comes is this next part. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. A lot of people can single out that verse and teach that baptism is added or a part of salvation because it says here plainly, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. Now, remission would simply mean uh, a pardon or forgiveness. So, taking the word forgiveness, being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. See there? In order to have the true forgiveness of sins, you must be baptized. But it's so important to take verses in context. So, we need to understand what's, what's happening here, what's being said, what's being preached. So, let's do that. Turn back to the beginning of Acts chapter number 2. And just to catch us up to speed here, Christ has been crucified, buried in the tomb, three days, rose again. He was among the disciples. People witnessed his resurrection. But then he ascended up into heaven and sent the Comforter. So to begin Acts chapter number 2, that's what we see here. The Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. Verse number 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, meaning they were together. Verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So we understand the context of what's taking place. 
The Holy Spirit has just come down and indwelt the believers. But notice verse number 5. Again, a part of context. Verse number 5 says, And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. So we understand by the context who was there. In Jerusalem, there were Jews, of course. Look at verse number 14. Again, continuing in context, verse number 14 says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem. So we understand who he is talking to. Be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. Look at verse 22. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Verse 23, Him, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken. Remember who he's talking to, these Jews in Jerusalem, all of Judea. Ye, he's accusing them here, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. So Peter here is preaching and letting them know, you are the guilty party. He was in Jerusalem preaching to the Jews, teaching them, you Jews are the guilty party. Continue on, look at verse number 31. He, seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. Look at verse 36. Therefore let all the house of Israel, remember that's who he's talking to, know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, the one I've been preaching about, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and said unto Peter, and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Notice that key phrase there at the last part of verse number 36, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. He was reminding them, you are guilty of crucifying the Lord Jesus Christ. Now read verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, we understand who he's talking to, Repent, and be baptized every one of you. Pause. He starts by saying, Repent. He had just told them, You're guilty of the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. So change your previous beliefs and now turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. What he could have said was, you first believe that uh, you wanted to crucify the Lord Jesus Christ because of blasphemy. Now I want you to repent, change that way of thinking unto the truth, which is Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins. Change your thinking about the Lord Jesus Christ. But notice also, for the remission of sins. For could be understand really a couple different ways. 
if you would to say that, uh, or if you wanted to post a wanted ad for a seamstress, you needed something sewn. Well, you wanted a seamstress for the purpose of getting something done. That's not the correct way. The correct way really is in light of, say, a, a wanted ad was posted for a, a burglary uh, or a, a crime. They were wanted because they had already committed something, right? So it's more of because of. So let's read it again. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Or we could say, uh, in the name of Jesus Christ because of the remission of sins. Because He did die on the cross and your, fi- your sins can be forgiven if you will simply repent and believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that He did pay for your sins. So, repent. Change your mind from crucify Him, crucify Him unto, Father, You are the Son of the living God. You paid my sin on the cross of Calvary. Changing your mind because of the remission of sins. It's not in order to get forgiveness of sins, but because of forgiveness of sins. The name Jesus Christ is tied to that. It is not separate. Look at verse 21 again. Because again, if you take that verse out of context, you could be confused. But he is not preaching a different gospel. He is not preaching conflicting messages. Verse 21, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He mentioned nothing about baptism being required there. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Look at Acts chapter number 4. We're going to look at some verses here to kind of reiterate this idea that baptism is not for remission of sins, forgiveness of sins, but because of Jesus Christ dying on the cross. That is why we are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. He paid our sin debt. Look at verse number 12. Acts chapter number 4, verse number 12. Again, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Look at chapter number 10. Again, rightly dividing the word of truth. Acts chapter number 10, look at verse number 43. The Bible says, To him give all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. There it is again, the forgiveness of sins. The name is tied to because of the remission of sins. For remissions of sins. To continue to expound on this, turn to Hebrews chapter number 9. Hebrews chapter number 9. I want to look at here just a few verses. I'll give you just a minute to turn there. Hebrews chapter number 9. We'll begin in verse number 11. I have more verses. We're not going to turn to them all for sake of time. But I did want you to be able to look at this. Hebrews chapter number 9, verse number 11. But Christ, being being come and high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption 
for us by his own blood. Look at verse number 22. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. If there is going to be a remission of sins, it has to be through the shedding of blood. It was true in the Old Testament times. They sacrificed, right? It had to be a perfect, spotless lamb. It was true in the Old, Old Testament times that temporarily covered their sins. Adam and Eve, it was true, we, we saw the shedding of blood. They sinned in the garden, and God made them skins of coats. We saw the beautiful picture in Abraham and Isaac. They marched up Mount Moriah. Abraham had the knife raised, ready to sacrifice his son Isaac there on the altar. But God provided a ram. There was the shedding of blood. And then, of course, John the Baptist. We looked at him last week. Jesus Christ approached, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He was the perfect, spotless, sinless Lamb of God. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. 1 John 1, 7, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Listen to Galatians 3. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Notice this. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Again, baptism is simply an identification, a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It says, baptized into Christ and have put on Christ. If you were to go to a football game and it was two teams and one person ran out into the field and wasn't wearing the jersey of either of those two teams, you would probably be confused. What are they doing on there, out there? And we, likewise, putting on Christ are identifying us as a believer, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 10. Many times these verses are used in the Romans road in witnessing to others that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Did not mention anything about baptism. Verse number 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Turn to Acts chapter number 8. Again, I remind you, context is so important. To take that verse alone, Acts 2.38, uh, does not do it justice. Rightly dividing the word of truth, comparing Scripture with Scripture. Acts chapter number 8, look at verse number 12. The Bible says, But when they believed... Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized after they believed. Verse 13, then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip. Again, baptism was after the belief. Now look at verse number 36. We talked about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch last week. But again, this is very important. Acts chapter 8, verse 36. The Bible says, And as they went on their way, they came into a certain place, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? So the Ethiopian eunuch was riding along in a chariot, studying Scripture, trying to make sense of it all. Philip ran alongside and preached unto him Jesus. Verse 37, And Philip said, 
If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. I mentioned last week that there are some translations, some versions, that leave out verse 37 that requires, before baptism, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you take that verse out and you just simply read that the Ethiopian asks, what hinders me to be baptized? And then we see him being baptized. Well, nothing's hindering him. And if he already understands by Acts Acts 2.38 that baptism is a part of salvation, that I need to be baptized for the forgiveness of my sins, then you're simply leading people that baptism is a part of or for the forgiveness of sins, which is simply false. It can lead to error or wrong thinking. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. From this point forward, really, we're going to look at a lot of what the Apostle Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, penned and wrote down to help us gain some insight, again, to this idea of always having an answer. Now, we're dealing specifically with the idea of baptism, but all these truths here, these uh, things can be applied to all areas of life concerning God's Word and doctrine. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, the Bible says in verse number 10, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind, in the same judgment. Agree on these truths, he's saying. Verse 11, For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Of where, of where are ye baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in mine own name. And I baptized also the house of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. He says, just because I may have baptized you or somebody else may have baptized you, John the Baptist or whomever it was, the, bapti- the baptism does not associate you with the person that baptized you. It associates you with Christ. Verse 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. He says, I was not sent by Christ to baptize, but to preach the gospel. He said in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He says, I came to preach the gospel, but not with wisdom of words. He said, I didn't stand up before you eloquently and choose out my words to try and seem as something I am not, but I came simply to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words. Paul and Silas were in the jail. The jail broke loose. Everybody was trying to escape. The Philippian jailer came forth and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He didn't give this long, drawn-out speech with eloquent words, wisdom of words. He simply said, 
Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Did not say, go get baptized. And of course, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Titus 3, 5, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us, by the washing of regeneration, the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Turn to Jude. There's just one chapter, so you don't have to look too far into Jude, but Jude, if you want... Chapter number one, we've spent time looking at baptism, and to end this message, I just want to kind of focus back on the knowing why, studying, memorizing, meditate, reading, rightly dividing the word of truth. Jude chapter number one, Jude writes in verse number one, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified. By God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ, and called, Mercy unto you, and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you, and exhort, lift you up, and encourage you, that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints." The faith that has been passed on down to you, the previous generation had to earnestly, sincerely, with all their heart, contend for the faith. That's very important. Uh, Ephesians chapter number 6 talks about our spiritual armor. We won't take time to turn there. But it is a spiritual battle. And it lists through all of our spiritual armor. And of course, prayer being the last one mentioned, but a very important one. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-4 For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds. We are to earnestly contend for the faith. We understand the idea of contend. A lot of times, even when a boxing match is being introduced, they might say, contender number one over in the blue corner, contender number two over in the red corner. They're going to battle. They're fighting. Now, they're fighting physically for a belt or a title. We are fighting on the Lord's side, but not physically. It's a spiritual battle. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Paul understood this spiritual battle. Notice what he said. You don't have to turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. He says, I'm in this spiritual battle, but I'm not beating the air. I'm not going up against battles that uh, prove no, no benefit or no value. There is a purpose in my battle, in this spiritual battle that I've agreed to be a part of. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11, But thou, O man of God... Flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Verse number 12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereinto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Notice what Paul said in 2 Timothy 4. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. He says, be ready at all times to go forward in this spiritual battle. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. 
For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They will not endure sound doctrine. They have itching ears. They're only going to go to the people that, have, that are going to tell them what they want to hear. Verse number 4, And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. He says, I want you to join part in this battle, this spiritual battle. Be a part of the fight. It's not going to be easy. But notice what he says in verse number 6, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Jude chapter number 1, again, verse number 4, says, Earnestly contend for the faith. All throughout Scripture we can see people earnestly contending for the faith. As we earnestly contend for the faith, we should be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who would not bow even in the face of being thrown in the fiery furnace, but they stood up and fought the good fight of faith. We should be like a Joshua, who took a stand and said, Choose you this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. He stood up. He was a part of that fight for faith. Earnestly contending for the faith, be a David, who went to his Goliath in the name of God and stood up for what he believed in, his faith. Be a Daniel, who prayed three times a day, even though he was faced with being thrown in the den of lions. Earnestly contending for the faith, be a Stephen, who was stoned to death, but stood up for the fight, the fight of faith. And be a Paul, who boldly witnessed, was nigh unto death many times, but still went about preaching everywhere he went, boldly witnessing, earnestly contending for the faith. Verse 20 in Jude 1 says, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. Our truth does not change, but the enemy on the other side is sending out all kinds of false so-called truth. Their truth changes day to day. They believe something different yesterday than they're going to believe something tomorrow. Now they're trying to tell us that there are a multitude of genders. Of course, we know by God's Word that is false. We have the truth we serve the God that does not change, though their truth changes every day. In 10 years, we may face something that we are not even aware of today. But if we know God's Word, if we're ready, always, willing, and able to give an answer to each and every person that asks a reason of the hope that's in us, if we're able to study, put in the work, and rightly divide the Word of truth, we'll have an answer for whatever they come up with, whatever their so-called truth is is. If we're going to build ourselves up on our most holy faith, we must continue to study, continue to learn. So let's take a stand for the Lord, earnestly contending for the faith, and fight the good fight of faith. Let's pray. counting us worthy. Lord, we thank you for counting us worthy to send your Son to bleed and die on the cross 
in our place for our sins. And Lord, that through your Son, we have a home in heaven with you. We thank you for forgiving us. We thank you for uh, wiping the slate clean, washing us white as snow. We thank you for the shed blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for your word, how you've guided us and instructed us through your word. Lord, may we study it each day, read it, meditate on it, memorize it, share it. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth. Help us to discern the error from the truth. Help us to rightly divide your word. Help us to always be ready to have an answer. Help us to be a part of the fight, the spiritual battle. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you're